Hi friend, do you dream of having a garden but you don't know where to start? Do you want to switch to more natural products but feel overwhelmed by all the options? Do you believe that a holistic lifestyle would help your special needs kiddo but you're daunted by all the information out there? Welcome to the Special Kind of Motherhood podcast where you will learn how to work towards your dream for homesteading, gardening, and holistic living in small, simple steps that won't overwhelm you. Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm a wife, Jesus follower, and mom to some amazing kids. As some of my kids began experiencing health struggles and developmental delays, I decided it was time to switch to a holistic lifestyle. I quickly became stressed out and burnt out, feeling like I needed to change everything at once. I finally realized that I had to start making one small change at a time, then build from there. I learned to walk this holistic journey in a way that works for me and my family without stress or overwhelm or constantly feeling like I wasn't doing enough. If you're ready to hear from another mama who understands what it's like to have no time and who can help you make changes towards better health for your family in a way that works for your specific life, then this is the podcast for you. Pop in your earbuds, reheat your coffee for the third time, and let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have with you one of my dear friends who is just a wonderful human and a wonderful mom, and I just want to share a little bit. Katie is actually a special needs mom. She's a homeschooling mentor, a podcast host, and a course creator dedicated to helping Christian families create a healthy, peaceful home environment that leads to generational family success. Through her podcast, membership community, and one-on-one homeschool strategy session, Katie teaches families how to reduce stress and cultivate deeply rooted joy in their home life, despite the stress and chaos special needs life can create. With over a decade of experience researching and implementing neurodevelopmental techniques, child development, and homeschool strategy sessions, Katie brings a message of hope, peace, and joy to families worldwide. So Katie, I'm so glad to have you here with me, and I would just love to chat with you a little bit about family, share a little bit about yourself, and kind of what the dynamic has looked like for you and your family as you have been raising your children that have special needs. Sure. Well, thank you for having me here today. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited. Yes. So I have five kids. Um, They range in age from eight is now my youngest and all the way up to 19. And my special needs parent journey really began 19 years ago and then didn't quit. (laughs) So as we went down the line with the kids, each one had their various issues and struggles to continue to have some challenges. And so one is profoundly disabled. We navigated life with special needs kids while also moving around with the military. And that's also how we began homeschooling. Um, We were in a location that just did not support our kids the way that we needed them supported. And we thought, well, we'll just give this a try. And we happened to be surrounded by amazing families whose kids were getting accepted into like military academies and incredible colleges. And they were so very social and well-spoken. And we were like, this is a homeschool kid? What? (laughs) So <laughs> we began to look into that. And um, you know, here we are all this time later. We've we've really just had a an uphill battle with our kids' health and trying to get them to develop and be functional. And we realized, oh, we've seen so much. You know, I wonder what we can share with other people. Yes, and you do such a wonderful job of sharing really good tips that are going to be very actionable is what I would say in helping people to say, okay, this is what I'm struggling with. And this is what I can do to try. And it, maybe it won't work, but just having the ability to have something to try really gives moms a sense of power of like, okay, there is something I can do. I'm not stuck in this cycle of hopelessness and of feeling like I, I'm a victim to circumstances. So I would love to hear from you because I know so often as families, whenever you are parenting your kids with special needs, 
it can take a toll. It can be very hard to build community and it can take a toll on like the marital relationship. It can become all consuming. So what have you found to be really helpful in kind of boosting up that support for family and being able to remain connected and close even while caring for your kids and the challenges that you may come up against? Yeah, that's such a good question because that has been such a challenge for my family. We realized with my husband deploying and us moving all the time and not being near family for a very long time to have any kind of local family support. Um, and it was always challenging to plug in to have community support when you're new. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that takes a while. And so we realized that as we sat in therapy offices and medical you know offices and you hear the stories of all these families and you hear how this one's divorced and that one's you know kid grew up to be bitter because they have this special needs sibling and all these other stories and we thought wow like we don't want that for us and then as we continued on in the journey um, and we were like buying every program we could buy and implementing every little thing we could implement, which I'm sure you also have probably done <laughs> for <Yes>. yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. We also started to see success stories and we really tried to take opportunities to learn from those people as we could. And it was, well, there wasn't a lot though. There really wasn't a lot out there for us. I mean, there was definitely nobody who really could say, oh, here's how your marriage survives the stress of grief over the loss of the dream of your child. Uh, grief over the loss of the life you thought you were going to have, um, not just your child that you thought your child was going to have. Here's how you manage the financial burden. And that already is a huge reason people divorce to begin with, without it even being because of their child. And then you go into the siblings and there's all these areas where fractures happen and they don't have to. Um, it's literally people think, oh, well, I'm just not, I'm just not skilled enough, or I never learned that growing up or whatever, but you can learn because these are just skills. And so what we did was we created over time, a family government, and mm -hmm. that has had an impact on our family. That's been tremendous. So can you share with us a little bit? You're so right. It is, you just see all of the different ways that it kind of plays out for families and, a lot of times it is a lack of education of like, okay, like this is all we know. And we're kind of in this survival mode. So we're just doing whatever comes every single day. Like we're just putting out this fire, then this fire, then this fire. And sometimes because you're in that constant state of fight or flight and reaction, you forget to have intention behind your, your actions. And what am I doing every single day? And trying to find your way out of that can be very hard. So you mentioned the family government. So what does that look like and what is that? Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics. A family government, if you think about the actual government, there are people who are elected to be in charge. Mom and dad automatically get that election. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the society. And so in society, in a fair society, everyone is seen, everyone is heard. Rules are made, but they're announced first. They're established in fair ways. They're upheld without emotion and drama. They're just there and they govern and we live within it. And if we want a peaceful life, we, we live within it, but with all voices being heard, seen and respected. And so that can happen and should happen in our homes because it allows us to not only nurture our children in the middle of a stressful time, because raising a child who has extra needs, whether that's a double gifted child or a child with profound disability or anywhere in between, it really can cause a lot of stress in the marriage. And we have seen that for Steve and I, it's actually having a family government is a form of self-care for us. 
which sounds wow. really weird. Yeah. <laughs> but here's why. When we were able to get on the same page, first off, which took patience and talking and looking at each other's heart intent and getting clear on why we both felt certain ways about certain things. And then, you know, putting down the battle axe. You don't want that. You just want, where can we hold hands on how we're going to lead this family? Suddenly now you have peace in your marriage. Then you have peace over how are we going to parent these kids in the middle of stress? If I'm standing in the middle of the kitchen, the dog just puked the floor. I've got three babies screaming all at the same time. And the two oldest kids are fighting. I'm exhausted. You know, I've had to cook everything from scratch, three different meal type plans because someone's got allergies. Someone's got, you know, this or that, right? I'm just worn out. So that was like a real scene in my life. I was going to say, that's my day. You've described my day before. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now I have a choice. You know, maybe Steve's not home or he's in a meeting and I just feel like, you know, you feel like that heat rising in your face mm -hmm. and the tension in your chest and you're just like anything for a minute of peace, just, just to breathe. Well, what we discovered was if I chose to yell and lose it, not only was I going to feel guilty and I was going to have had one of those moments where it's like parent fail. And that's not what we wanted in our long-term vision for our family. We wanted close relationships. But I also would break down those relationships with the kids. So I would feel bad in the end. I'd have broken down the relationships with the kids. It was awful. So instead, what we did was we designed the family government. We worked through together what that was going to look like. We talked to the kids about it, the ones that were capable. Mm -hmm. Of course, everything being developmentally appropriate. Yes. And then we posted it in a main section of our home and we practiced it for a while so that we would not have consequences when things were not done correctly. We would practice walking through how to solve conflict between siblings. If some child has completely disobeyed one of our family rules, okay, we're going to practice walking through what that's going to look like in us correcting that child. So as I stand in the middle of that kitchen, the heat rising in my face, the kids bickering, the dog, blah, the kids, other ones crying. All I have to say is everybody, let's go meet at the front door. It's already posted. I just have to walk over there and in a calm enough tone, say to the big kids who can read, okay, what does the door say? And if they can't read, I can simply go over that with them. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be yelling, nothing, just a reminder. And it doesn't have to be a long deal. It doesn't have to be drawn out. No guilt, no anger, just a reminder. And while we're standing there, my blood pressure starts to drop. We've had a pattern interrupt with the kids yes. who are fighting. Yeah, there's still some stuff to clean up over there and might still be a baby crying. <laughs> Hopefully I picked that one up on the way to the door. But... You know, you can kind of then leave with a plan that was pre-made. You're not having to make decisions last second. None of those ever work out well. Usually in my experience, I would punish myself if I made an on-the-fly consequence. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's a self-care technique for parents. As It's like a safety net, as well as being something that brings safety and order to our homes. Because then the children aren't having this whiplash parenting where they never know if you're going to yell, they don't know what they're going to get. They're scared. They don't want to talk to you anymore. And it breaks down that, that love that we want to have with our kids. And so we can parent safely, even in stress when we've pre-planned. So I took a course on neuroscience a year or so ago, and it talks about deciding in advance. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're sharing is you're deciding in advance and you've communicated it up front. 
And I could see so much how it, especially as mom struggling with decision fatigue, you don't have to make that decision in the moment. It's like, okay, your brain has already realized and had this pattern set up of when stress comes or when this happens, this is what we do. It takes away that thought of the stress of, oh my goodness, how am I going to handle this situation in a way that I can feel good about five minutes from now? And a lot of times if we don't have that intentional thought ahead of time, we aren't going to be proud of ourselves for how we handled it. We might yell, we might become frustrated. And so having that, like you said, that intention of like pattern interrupt also built in with, I've already decided in advance, this is how I'm going to handle this situation. And then I can remind my kids. I love that so much. One thing I would ask, how do you handle, so the kids that are not verbal, how would you handle this with them? Yeah. Well, with the kids that are not verbal, they are still brilliant people. Yes. <laughs> and they still also have to abide by family law, family rules, but their laws and rules are going to look a lot different because we're going to need to tailor them very uniquely to each child. And as mothers, fathers, we, we can read our kids better than anybody else. We are the expert on our child. And so we do know when something does or does not get through to our kid. And in our home, for example, with our nonverbal child, you know, we can tell when he gets it and when he knows he's being naughty and sometimes a simple calm down, separate, not separated from the family, not a breaking of a relationship, not even really the idea of a timeout, more just mm -hmm. a, you need to be able to reclaim your own self-control. So we're mm -hmm. going to give you a minute to do that. And when you're done doing that, let's talk again. You know, he won't be talking that idea. Right. We all talk with our nonverbal kids. Yes, <laughs> you know, we know they're nonverbal, everything. Yes. So um, it can just even be a reframing. And so you will know it might take some practice and trial and error till you figure out what their thing is that helps them, but you will work that into your plan. I love that. So you're really not sitting and necessarily going over that list of rules with them. You're tailoring it to whatever dynamic works best for them and how they learn. I have kids, all of my kids are starting to have speech, although one of them is, is, has some speech, but is very, very little. And so I could see that being true. And it's the same way. Like my, all of my children are extremely brilliant, special, wonderful people. And so with these kids, I know I'm like, okay, while I understand you can't fully communicate, let's figure out a way for me to understand what it is you're needing but also let's set this boundary of throwing a fit is not the answer to communicating. Right. And so it sounds like to me, that's kind of where that family government would come in of like, when we need to communicate, we have this rule in the house that throwing a fit is not a means of communication. Is that we do. kind of how that would work out? Yes. No yelling and tantrums are on our door. Now, of course, in the moment when those begin, most of us know the child's cry. We know if this is actually something that is a out of control emotional thing, or we need to go through, is this hunger? Is this yes. thirst? Is this something that is actually going on in their environment? Do they need to go potty? Do they need their diaper change depending on their developmental level? So you want to always go through those things first before yes. we ever move into any kind of you know, consequences or any of that. But that's part of what a government does. We take care of our citizens, right? Mm -hmm. And if our children are our citizens and, 
you know, disability laws are different than what your average typical citizen is going to abide by. We have to remember, we have to tailor everything in our home to our unique child's specific needs. And that's going to look different than what their sibling abides by. But you could still have overall general guidelines for your family, including what your family vision is. So one of our family guidelines and visions is to love one another. So mm -hmm. if the children are being very unkind and very selfish, that does not fall under love one another. So then we go through, okay, talking about that. And, you know, for us, because we're a faith-based family, we will actually do some deeper learning and talking and discipling over what we really believe that is stemming from yeah. um, and how we can fix it. <laughs> you yes. know? Um, but yeah, it's just for us to have those established guidelines already pre-thought through so that I'm not making more bad decisions based on decision fatigue and emotion and not thinking in the logical side of my brain. Because as a special needs mom, I'm taxed most of the time. I'm pretty tired already. And so you know, anything we can do to support ourselves is, and our children is so important. I'm thinking of like the moms and, you know, you shared about with your husband, really taking that time to be focused and intentional, but these moms, they, we, we've both been there and sometimes we still are there. It's like, you have no time in the day. The idea of sitting and having a conversation, like multiple conversations with your spouse to decide all this stuff, it just feels honestly, sometimes impossible and exhausting. So what I would ask is what is like maybe one thing that they could do to get started? Because I do think a lot of times we get stuck, like I had mentioned, in that habit of just reacting. And so often what we actually need is to take the time to slow down, to be intentional about having these conversations with our spouse so that, like you said, there's peace and unity there. That's just going to flow out into the entire home. Our kids pick up on that. But when you're in that mode of survival, it just doesn't seem that important. So, you know, maybe even starting with like slow steps to implement that. So what's one way that you think that someone could really just get started with that? Yeah. Oh, well, for us, the way that we did it, which was my favorite way, um, <laughs> was we first had to be able to get to where we could think clearly. And for us, that looked often like, oh, we have this amazing van filled with car seats and kid music and air conditioning or heat. And he and I can actually talk as long as there are kid songs on. Let's go have a family drive. And I could bring a notebook. And of course, we're answering lots of kids questions. But we would say, kids, we need to borrow. We need our brains to ourselves. We can't let you borrow our brains for a few minutes. And depending on their ages, they could kind of understand or not. Um, but that helped them. We set the expectation for them. You know, the other thing that we would do is we established a regular, um, what we would call couch time. And that was every day after work. We always, the kids knew ahead, we are going to have time where mom and dad are going to talk and catch up. It's usually 20 minutes. It doesn't always have to be. Sometimes it would go longer. And we would let the kids play at our feet. Sometimes that's a good opportunity to actually, and I'm not an advocate of screen time, but that's not always a bad time to put on something if you can put it in another language. So mm -hmm. that then they're at least learning another language. You have a few minutes with your spouse. So there are there are ways, or it's a time to keep a special basket of toys that they don't see otherwise, except at rest time or when you need time with your spouse. So there are ways you have to first get your brain free. Then the very first step, it's not setting up the family government at all. It's actually to look at the vision you have for your family long-term to spend time dreaming about that with your spouse. What I would love both that. of you really love someday 
20 years from now, when these kids are coming home from college or from being married, what do you want those relationships to look like with you when you greet them at the door? First, you do you want them to come home? I know parents who have not wanted their kids to come home. I have seen it. I also have seen, you know, where the parents didn't plan ahead. They didn't realize what they wanted and it didn't go well because if you don't plan, a lot of the time you don't get what you want. So if you plan that you want a relationship with them that's close knit and that they come home and you can give them this big hug and they have a good relationship with their siblings and a good relationship with their dad, you know, well, okay. So now we back it up. Oh, and for us in my family, we wanted our kids to know what their passion was to be coming from a place where they're pursuing what we believe God really placed in their hearts as what he created them for. So we wanted them to be able to do that. So you have to back up from there before you ever begin planning your family government, which is why each government in a family home will look different from the next. Oh, I love that so much. And because the the reality is, is that having that positive vision is actually going to be more motivating than feeling like you have to stick to some rule or something like that. So it's like, let's get this vision together of something we want to work on together. And then let's reverse engineer it and figure out how can we actually make that a reality? Whereas, like you said, if we don't really plan, it's kind of like I had mentioned earlier, when you're in that mode of survival, constantly putting out flowers, there's not flowers, but fires. There is, I would love to be putting out flowers, but I, that's just me. Um, Anyways, when you're constantly putting out fires, it's just very hard to have that intentional dreaming thought. So taking that pattern interrupt to say, hey, let's actually take a minute. The van is a thing for us to like get everyone in the van. My kids ride well, it's quiet. They love watching the scenery and it's a good place to talk. So let's all load up in the van and then we can just take 15 minutes to talk, which is a lot of times it's something that we haven't done in a long time if we're in that mode of survival. So that can just be so refreshing for a relationship. And I love I love that so much. Have, what have you found to come from this, from family government? What has been the result of setting this up in your home? What I have found is that not only has it brought, like I mentioned, the safety net for Steve and I and the better relationships with the kids, but also it's allowed us then to have a structure in our home that's already preset so we can focus more, not on behavior, but about reaching our kids' hearts. Mm-hmm. Because when we have a preset structure that everyone knows they need to live within and that They know what's going to happen if they break out of it. And they know that that's there for our good. They're good. Everyone's good in our home. We spend less time then focusing on that because it's already done. It's already there. And then we can then focus because, you know, for us, we really, sure, all parents want their kids to have good behavior. But, you know, more importantly, we want to, we want to really reach their heart. That's the most important part. And when everyone already knows the structure and it's not that big of a deal, suddenly we have a lot more time for heart connection. So for us, that's been a huge benefit. Yes. And getting that connection with our kids, that's what's going to last throughout the years, not correcting behavior. And like you said, of course, yes, we want them to know know how to act appropriately in different situations. Absolutely. But if at the end of the day, they act appropriately, but we have not made a heart connection was it really worth it? I don't, I just don't know. And that's something we all have to decide for ourselves. But anyways, I have so enjoyed this, Katie, you are such a treasure. And I would just love for you to let everyone know where they can find you because I know they are going to want to go over and listen to you. Katie has so much great information. And so, yeah, just let us know. 
So you can find me at my, my actual favorite place is Linktree slash Family Success. I'm always putting coupons and goodies and changing up what I'm doing over there. But you can also find me at the podcast, which is Her Home and Heart. At least that's what it's called right now um, on all the platforms. And so you can find me there. I'm always putting in fun things too, freebies and lots of good, helpful mom things that we need. All right. Thank you so much. Everyone go head over there, listen to her podcast, check her out. You will find tons of great information. And thank you so much, Katie, for being with us. Thank you, Ashley. This was awesome. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, would you take 30 seconds to share this with a friend who is wanting to live more holistically without the overwhelm? Also, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave me a review. It blesses and encourages me to know that this show is helping you. All right, friends, it's time for me to go work in the garden and make some homemade bone broth. I will see you back next week.